Hey, Bonehead fans, it is Joe and James. It's James. Uh, my name's James. <laughs> oh, I wanted you to say your name, dickhead. Anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I'm, I'm lost. Who am I? It doesn't matter. One of the cool things that uh, this shutdown has brought us is the ability to get people that normally are too busy to talk to us or don't want to talk to us. I'm joking. Too busy to talk to us. And our guest today is... Robert Kurtzman. Robert Kurtzman. If you're thinking that sounds vaguely familiar, it's because you have heard of something called KMB, Kurtzman, Nicotero, and Burger, the greatest probably effects house of all time, or at least one of them, and probably at, at the most volume. And or Kurtzman, even even if you haven't necessarily heard of the special effects studio, you don't dig into the behind the scenes stuff. You've probably heard of such films as Evil Dead Two. Some of the Halloween films, some of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. We can keep going and going. Alice on Hot Hill, Alice. Hotel. Mr. Oh, wait, I, I, also a, a distinguished director. He gave us Wishmaster, several other movies. We're not going to give you a long intro. We only had about 45 minutes with him, but it was nice enough for him to do it live from his studio. Now, the cool thing about this is if you're listening to this, we appreciate it. Keep listening. But... The YouTube version of this is going to be a little different because why, James? Because at, after we did the interview, we were fortunate enough to get a, a brief tour of the workshop um, via video. Yeah, and if you do like uh, The Haunting of Hill House, the next flick series, and you always thought, I'd love to see them dead body props. Well, good news. Or Dr. Sleep, and you thought, boy, that scene where they killed the little boy, I sure would like to see the boy body that they used. Well, it's not real, but we totally can show you that. So go on over to our YouTube. If and, and the detail, by the way, I want to say real quick, the other reason you need to see the video, you're going to see more than you saw in the film. Because yeah, the we, got a, we got a brief story about the director of the film, Mike Flanagan, uh, making specific requests for it to be even more visual than you see in the film. So you need to, if you listen to the audio, I appreciate the fact podcasts are audio. Hey, I dig it. We have that discussion with Chad sometimes. I'm mentioning Chad because he's not here. Screw you, Chad. Uh, but um, Chad, Chad had to work. So we, we, we no, no, I'm, I'm taking on Chad. I, and know, I, miss, I just want to say a little quick, nice thing about that. I know, I know. Jeez, I can't even. You, you try to tear a man down once a week and people get mad at you. Um, but anyway, no, he, he, we get, a, get a, little, a brief story about how accurate he wanted the body. So if you've seen Dr. Sleep, believe me, there's some stuff that was built into the sculpts that you didn't get to see on film because it was covered with dirt. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thanks to Marcy for not only setting this up, but also taking the time to talk to us afterwards and give us the tour because Kurtzman had to work. We appreciate it. She was absolutely fantastic. Big props to her. Hey, Marcy, if you're listening to this or watching, you need to represent somebody to do cons. I'm joking. I got an agent, but no, seriously. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Maybe not. I don't know. Thank you so you're, much. You're only joking if it doesn't lead to anything. But if it could yeah, lead to something. If she wants to make a little change uh, getting me to Dragon Con, then absolutely, by all means, getting me in the door, I appreciate it. I need to stop sucking up. Let's move right along. Thank you so much. Enjoy our Kurtzman interview. Mr. Kurtzman, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I, 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 we're in the middle of hell, brother, but other than that, we're all okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, same I'm, here. <laughs> I just went to the store and stocked up because they just locked us down. Yeah. So. Yeah. Georgia, the governor finally did that. Yeah. Finally. Yeah, well, yeah, Florida just did it. The county, the county locked down heavy today, so. 
Oh, really? So, yeah, well, I'm sorry to hear that. It, like I was, I was saying to uh, Marcy, if it makes you feel any better, uh, James here is, I'm Joe Lewis. Nice to meet you. Hey, Joe, hey. It's James. James. Uh, James uh, we're stuck James at home with our kids and doing our professional jobs in higher education, <laughs> if it makes you feel any better. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, at least we're lucky enough we get to work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine, Mick Strawn, who's a production designer. I don't know if you know him from that Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, Mick, that we're talking on the phone Saturday, and he was talking about, well, the good thing about being a grip in L.A. is uh, with all the layoffs and, and how things are tumultuous all the time, everyone knows how to put it in the toilet. So <laughs> That's true. Time to work around money. the house now. Yeah, make some extra money. So yeah. thank you so much for your time. We'll get right into it. Um, actually, oddly enough, we met at Scarefest in Lexington, Kentucky years ago. I don't know if you even remember being there. I don't expect you yeah. to remember us, but I wondered if you remembered even being there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although I've done so, uh, quite a few of those, so like they kind of mix up a lot. They all go together. <laughs> yeah. We were going through your catalog of work and I didn't know how long I'd have and I assumed I wouldn't have a ton of time. So I was trying to think of a way to approach it that you haven't been asked a thousand times. So what, here's something I'm very curious about. And it may be because I'm middle-aged with a two and a half year old. You gave up a lot to move back to Ohio for your family, correct? Correct. Can we talk about that for a minute? I find that fascinating. Uh, sure. Yeah. You want to talk about it with me? Uh, so what was the decision? You wanted to raise your family in Ohio, and that's where you're from, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, all my family's in Ohio, so um, and all the cousins, all the kids' cousins and everything were there. And they were all about the same age, so uh, we wanted to bring them up there around their grandparents and everyone. Yeah. But on top of that, I was just uh, ready to start doing my own thing anyway. So uh, as far as film productions and my own effects company, and I just didn't want to be in L.A. anymore. So is it just the atmosphere or is it just a town or you're just used to? Ohio? I was just, I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's It was all of that. It was all of the, uh, you know, the Hollywood nonsense. I'd spent 10 years pitching movies and, and s setting movies up and selling them and, and then just sat around waiting to, for things to happen and decided I just w I wanted to make make them happen on my own. Right. So, you know, I just went out and raised my own money and started producing my own stuff. Which is interesting because now you're set in Atlanta, correct? Yeah. yeah. Where most of the movies are made now. <laughs> yeah. So what's the, is that better or worse than um, Hollywood as far as just being there, the town? In Atlanta? Yeah, I'm just curious. Oh, yeah. no, I love Atlanta. Okay. It's, it's a different vibe than L.A. It's so, Southern. Yeah. It's Southern, but it's not completely Southern, right? right it's exactly. Alton Southern. Yeah. Because I always tell people when they come to uh, Kentucky, we work at the University of Kentucky, or I do, and uh, I always say, yeah, Lexington's not Kentucky. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're surrounded by a sea of red in this little blue section. Yeah. And there's, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, this Atlanta is kind of a, a, it's got a lot of trees in the city proper, you know, so it's, it's like, you know, you, can't, you don't have to go far to be, you know, out in the country and, and uh, there's a lot of lakes and everything. There's plenty of stuff to do. There's great bike trails, you know? Yeah. Okay. So I'm James, do you want to go ahead with your question about, I, well, I wanted to ask one question because you've worked on films across different genres, all of that stuff, all the different elements. Is there any difference? Cause we've had people answer this question differently. And I wanted to know what you thought. 
is there a different way you approach special effects and makeup between a comedy and a horror film between all the different genres or is it just whatever's needed at the time uh now it's all pretty much the same uh you know the subject matter is different and obviously comedies you know the gags uh, can be a little different um they're more humorous you know and then the monster movies of course you have more of a design element there with uh with creature stuff and and uh how you approach that and of course the blood and guts stuff but but you know the process itself is pretty much the same whether you're doing a prosthetic makeup or a uh, a puppet or a animal puppet or whatever it's it doesn't matter what the genre is it's the same process okay so going back through your history and we can ask a ton of questions about makeup effects we could ask and, and I've, i don't want to cover ground that's been covered many many times especially about how KMB was started and things like that and i want to ask you some different things so i'd like to talk to you about your directing career a little bit is that okay sure okay so can you talk about setting up the i mean i actually think wish we were talking about this last night when we were getting prepared is that i think wishmaster holds up really well but i know that wasn't your first movie the first one was demolitionist can you talk about setting that up and specifically i'm assuming because you had so many connections you were able to get a lot of those cameos and a lot of those different people in both movies i mean bruce campbell has a cameo in the demolitions right yeah yeah pretty much i mean i reached out to all my friends and people i'd worked with over the years and uh wanted to you know work with them even if it was limited like bruce coming in for a day you know right um and we just uh you know wanted to, to hang out with our friends when we make the movies you know and have a good time so right so was has it always been your desire to be a director and special effects were the way to get into it and make up yeah i mean you know as a kid growing up being a john carpenter fan and watching you know all the various other horror directors that i grew up on i always wanted to to direct but you know when i first got into the business you have that idea of like i want to be a director but then you you realize uh that there's a lot to learn um before yeah. you can do that and uh and so uh, that creative outlet of doing special effects just was kind of a stepping stone to that you know and after years of doing that i felt confident enough to to tackle a movie as a director so what's your favorite john carpenter film uh, assault on precinct 13 really yeah that's one i don't hear often yeah. you know, and then the thing of course the thing but uh for me it's always the 13. thing yeah. yeah uh i actually nicotero uh, told me a, a story once about what um, i don't know if you've ever heard it what carpenter signed on oh jesus director of shit uh the shawshank redemption frank darabont's poster because yeah. darabont uh hey frank go fuck yourself i met john a few years ago and i said is that true and he goes yeah and i was like here <laughs> he signed all my posters joe go fuck yourself it actually was a lot of fun we do a lot of um convention work as far as i do a lot of moderating the main panels and whatnot so it's been nice to get to talk to a few people outside of it anyway huge john carpenter fan because you know he was raised in kentucky but i appreciate that it's also precinct 13 is your favorite then that's different um, so you 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 are a big carpenter fan and then you worked on in the mouth of madness was that it an interesting experience to be go go from being a fan to working with John Carpenter and do a Lovecraft film that oh, yeah. isn't necessarily called a Lovecraft <laughs> film. 
Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it was really exciting uh, to work with him. But uh, we first worked with him on uh, body bags for yeah. Showtime. And so then that led into the other stuff with John. And um, I, I, I'm trying to think, uh, before Mouth of Madness, didn't we do, I can't remember if it was before or after we did. Uh, Let me pull up your IMDb. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Village of the Damned. and uh, I think Village of the Damned came right after In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah. But I may be wrong. Because and Mouth of Madness was from New Line, right? Yeah. 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 I just had to ask about In the Mouth of Madness because that's one of my my go to films. So cool. thank you for yeah. your work on that. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. No, I, I really like that film a lot. So you told me a story several years ago when I got to ask you a few questions then and you said the one good thing about working with John was that he's not a screamer. Do you even and I know no, he's he's pretty calm and laid back. So uh, and he's very he's very open if he doesn't like something like you know if you're if you're if you bring you know a rubber monster he, you know he's always uh, here come the rubber monsters and or you know he's, <laughs> he, you know and uh, he, he used to say uh, all the rubber effects guys are prima donnas because we're all so picky about stuff and and things so like Rob like, not uh, wanting to light not like Rob <laughs> team not wanting to put light on anything that he made yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Can you explain a little bit about that as far as the cinematography of not you not wanting to show where the hoses and the lines are? Can you talk about that? As well, not as just that. I mean, it, you know, anymore, like things are just thrown in your face and you like, especially with CGI and everything, mm -hmm. uh, they feel they need to show it. And, um, you know, if you go old school, uh, it's all about what you don't see and what's, you know, what glimpses you see in the shadows. And it makes it creepier, in my opinion. But agreed, agreed. You see the monster crawling on the ceiling and jumping all over the place. It's less effective than seeing it creeping behind, um, you know, a bookshelf or something where you just get a piece of it and leaves more to the imagination. So, do you agree that CGI is just a tool, right? Like any tool, it can be overused. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, you can you can do it on both ends, but it's a it's a great tool. Uh, when used properly or when they mix it up and that's um, right when you mix the practical with the cgi and you're removing things so that you can't see where the magic tricks at right, right. yeah absolutely i understand that the um, issue with see with practical in my opinion and i wonder if you agree with this is that practical for example the thing we can talk about the howling we can talk about american werewolf in london mm -hmm. I, you look at them 40 years later it looks pretty good Oh yeah, it's still CGI. Twenty years know. on, not so much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, there's also leaps and bounds uh, with CGI from the time it first started. I mean, if you if you look at like, for instance, from *Dust Till Dawn*, there's some CGI work on in that, but it was kind of at the beginning of that whole thing, and uh, it, it still holds up for the most part. But even on *Wishmaster*, for instance, mm -hmm. we had some fairly crude CGI, but it was like the first time we were kind of using it and experimenting. And um, and then, you know, today you have like, there's such advances in technology that, that the, they can make something look really real. Yeah, know? do you think that those advances, though still 20 years on, <laughs> are, that's my oh, theory is that, <laughs> yeah, it just keeps yeah. going with this and 20 years on, it's still going to be uh, maybe yeah. similar to uh, Lon, the Lon Chaney Jr. The Wolfman transformation. It looks really good then. Now you look at it. It's like, I don't know. But I, I don't know. I was curious. But in the 80s, 
the the special effects guys were the rock stars, right? Yeah, pretty much. And now, and and now it's like uh, I don't know, it's not the same anymore. But um, back then, it was such everybody was jumping on the bandwagon of like every right. horror film had to have rubber monsters and prosthetics in it. And right. um, so it was it was a great time to actually be you know coming up in the industry. When did you move to Hollywood? Moved to Hollywood in 1984 when I was 19. That was brave. That's ballsy. Yeah. What made you do it? What What gave you the drive? Uh, Being from Ohio, not necessarily a big city, correct? No, really. My wife town. is from rural Ohio. That's the reason yeah, we're talking. Yeah. I'm from a town that only ha- it's a village actually is uh, only like 3,500 people or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, no, you know, it was the only place at that time to go to even learn any of this stuff or, you know, get into the business. So it, I just uh, up and did it. I'd never been to L.A. or a huge city like that. And um, my parents took me out, dropped me off and left. <laughs> really? So <laughs> yeah. you, didn't, you didn't get in like your old beater car and just drive across the country and go? No, no. I uh, dropped me off, left, and then I... Uh, picked up a really cheap car out there uh, so I wouldn't have to drive stuff across country. I basically just set up once I got out there, I got a little one room apartment with the kitchenette in it. And, yep. and that was it. And then I, you know, spent some time there before I actually got hired to work at John Beekler's um, after I got out of makeup school. Which makeup school did you go to? At that time of Joe Blasco's, I think was kind of the only thing around. Okay. Um, that's, that's one, of the, one of the okay. questions that, uh, uh, one of the questions I had was I was just wanting to know um, I, I think it's interesting because when I was a child I, I watched movies I loved movies but I never thought about the makeup and all of that stuff I enjoyed it uh, I, I, and you talked about that being kind of the only the only uh, option at the time uh, have you seen anything change where my children love to watch face off and see how all this stuff is done now and things like that do you think that's causing any sort of shift in the way people even begin to think about pursuing that area? Oh yeah. There's a lot more people interested in it now, I think. And there's a lot more schools now out mm-hmm. for it. Savini school. Yeah. yeah. Now, whether there's more jobs, I'm not sure, <laughs> you know, it, it, it all comes down to the artist. Everybody can want to be, uh, you know, a, a makeup artist or anything. Uh, but it, it depends on their drive and their talent. Um, whether they're going to, you know, succeed or not. So So that hasn't changed in 40 years. It's really still about drive and talent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all we look at. We don't care if they went to college, have a degree or anything. When we're looking at portfolios, we just look at the work. All that counts is their ability. Um, And the degree doesn't matter, in my opinion. Unless you want to teach, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Go ahead, Jackie. For, for people interested in that, you mentioned a portfolio. What, what sort of goes into a portfolio? If somebody is thinking they want to look at doing this professionally, what would you recommend people put in, prepare for as far as having this concept of a portfolio in place if they're just starting to think about it? Yeah, I mean, uh, sculptures, um, their makeups, prosthetics, and not necessarily just blood. Most of the time, we don't even want to see blood and guts unless it's really um, – something that's anatomically correct and, and, um, you know, just like bloody hamburger meat on somebody's face. We're not interested in, 
uh, in character makeups and, uh, you know, prosthetics, like whether it's a vampire or, a, or the wolf man or whatever, um, or just uh, some crazy kind of goofy character, you know, like a Harry Potter looking thing or something, you know, mm -hmm. it's all about seeing their sculpting ability and their application skills mm -hmm. and, you know, painting and everything. So. Um, curious because <laughs> there is literally uh, over a hundred movies I could ask you about off the top of my head, but I'm trying to talk about, about something that you maybe not normally talk about. Can you talk about Bubba Hotep for a few minutes? Sure. Yeah. And working with Coscarelli. Uh, well, I love Don. Uh, I started working with him on Phantasm 2. Two. Yeah. And we became really good friends. We're good friends to this day. And, uh, um, I enjoy, you know, getting that phone call from Don every few years and when he does a project and, and it, I've been lucky enough to be involved with most of them. So yeah, that uh, Hotep was a fun project because Bruce was on it and, and it was a script that I read and I just couldn't believe they were going to make it. It's one of those oddball films like Tusk where you just get this script and you're like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> well, that we'll talk about, we'll talk so, about Kevin in a second, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I know a lot of people love Phantasm, but my favorite Coscarelli film will, and, and probably always will be Bubba Hotep. It's just too weird to live, but it yeah. does. It exists. Yeah. I saw it at a midnight screening in an old theater. That's not a chain theater that, well, hopefully it'll, it'll still be alive after this is all said and done. And it's probably one of the most perfect midnight screenings I've ever been to in my entire life. It played just like that all the way down the line, every beat. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Just no. the perfect audience, midnight, yeah. amazing. It was yeah. huge. I, and I had the privilege of, and I didn't realize he was going to be eight foot tall, by the way. I'm six one, and Coscarelli just stood over me as we were about uh, yeah, to do yeah. the panel. A very tall guy. Very tall guy. It's taller than the tall man. <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Kevin Smith. How did you get hooked up with Kevin? Uh, let's see. Um, Dave, uh, there's a producer called Dave Greathouse, uh, who uh -huh. uh, was a producer on that film. And Dave had produced a series of pictures that I did the effects on, but also I directed two movies for him. I did uh, Buried Alive and Deadly Impact for him. Which and James bought off of you from that scare fest that we watched that Halloween drunk. Which one? <laughs> we, those two movies, James bought them from you from that scare fest. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And you said, now hang out with your friends and drink these with some, I know you don't remember any of this. <laughs> <coughs> we do a horror movie, a horror <coughs> <coughs> I'm so sorry, sir. Sorry. <laughs> Coffee went down the wrong way. And uh, we watched those drinking just a few weeks after that. Yeah. Keep going. Just to okay. let you know, you, your art has been appreciated. So um, Kev, he, he, he had the script and he sent it to me and said, you know, we're, I'm doing this Kevin Smith movie. Would you be interested in working with Kevin? And I'm like, of course. Um, and then uh, he sent the script and I, I just was like what the, I have to be involved with this because nobody's ever going to make anything like this again. And, you know, it's definitely a one of a kind project. Oh, it and red state completely. I agree. Yeah. No one else could have made those movies. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, uh, you know, uh, he hooked me up with Kevin, we had a conversation and then, uh, I just dropped right into designing and, um, and we only had like, uh, think five weeks to build everything on that show which was crazy but um it was Dave, Dave basically said well you can if you don't do it in five weeks we're not doing the show because we have a target 
window. I think it had to do with Johnny Depp's availability for um, his role. So they had right. to do it at a certain time. And, and um, but uh, it worked out great. I had a lot of fun on that project. And Kevin was, uh, you know, great to work with and has been great since now. Yeah, because you've done Yoga Hosers, right? Yeah, and then Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah. Uh, reboot. Okay, so like I said, I know we have a short amount of time. Uh, James, do you want to ask about the haunting? James last night was like, we got to talk about the haunting of Hill House. We got to talk about. Yeah, the I was about to say that because I, I I wanted to bring that up because I, I have a couple of friends and colleagues who uh, they made their ringtone where she's saying no 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 no, <laughs> but then also on that show there's tons of stuff in the background. There's tons of stuff like that. So I'm assuming that was some hidden makeup work that went on there and hidden setup and things like that. So I just wanted to ask about uh, what, what's the process for, you know, that's, that was done as a television show. It's longer. So what kind of with the haunting of Hill house, how did that come about and what was the difference on working on a project like that? Um, well, Mike Flanagan, the director, they, he approached it as like one big long film with the exception yeah. of some things that would, uh, crossover have to be shot at different times but it was kind of it wasn't like we just shot one episode and dropped in another it was like one big long film project okay um, and it, and and it was also the the same director which is unusual because for tv they usually have a different director so there was a right. continuity there you know having mike directing the whole thing it was uh, better for us the creatives and the departments um you know not having a new uh, creative dropping in for every episode and then you know we kind of knew what was going to happen t five episodes down the line because we were discussing it now and the director was there you know the whole time yeah um so you know with with tv most of the time you get like five episodes and then you have kind of outlines for the rest as they're being written so that was the difference i guess yeah. for film you have the script it's pretty much there and then so you, we we kind of knew that there was some things peppered in toward the end but we weren't sure and they they would change things and add things so we had a lot of stuff that got piled in the later episodes we weren't expecting but um but overall it was <clears throat> it was a great experience i mean it was uh i got involved with it um because uh i'd done gerald's game, Gerald's game mm -hmm. with mike and prior to that, I had been talking to him about doing um, what uh, a movie called Somnia, which actually became um, I, uh, um, Before I Wake. Oh, okay. Which is his other film. And, um, and so we had conversations. I didn't end up doing that show, but then later, oh, I, I did a film called um, Bye Bye Man, The Bye Bye Man, uh -huh. for uh, the producer, uh, Trevor Macy. So Trevor, brought me into Gerald's game. That was my first experience with Mike. And then I just bounced onto uh, The Haunting and then eventually Dr. Sleep. I think Mike Flanagan is a visionary. Uh, I don't think he gets, even with the credit he gets, I don't think he gets the credit he gets. I think if he were coming along in the 80s, he would have been a rock star. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, ma he makes really good movies. And he's got a real great eye and he's uh, a great screenwriter. Yeah, he really is. And I've, I'm wondering, is he as laid back or as docile as I've seen behind uh, in the making of? Is he really that person in real life? 
Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. I, I, let's talk a little bit about Dr. Sleep. I, I wish more people had seen it uh, because I am still, I'm actually not a fan of the book. I'm a huge Stephen King fan. If you pan over this, this is my basement. If you pan over here, you have first editions of almost every Stephen King novel, like every other fat geek on the earth. And um, that's fine. Go ahead and laugh. <laughs> to thy own self be true, right? Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the book. It was okay. But I really, I, I really love the movie. I really like the movie. And I, he pulled off a magic trick that I didn't know could be done, was that it was a, a fairly decent, uh, faithful adaptation of the book and a love letter to Kubrick on top of King never even caring for the Kubrick version. Does that make sense? Yeah. Can you, correct, can you talk yeah. about that? How, what, how did you feel about the movie? What did you work on? What, can you talk about a little bit about Dr. Sleep? Uh, well, I, it, I really love the movie. Um, yeah. And I really like the three-hour cut. Um, yeah. I haven't got to see it yet. Yeah. It's, uh, there's a lot of, there's a little, little, it, it's not that much different. There's little things in there that kind of just help with some of the character development. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it wasn't like there was a ton of new effects added in or anything like that. No, nothing really. The uh, things that you lose when you already have a horror film over two hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty much everything we shot's in there. There wasn't anything that ended up on the cutting room floor or anything. Um, Mike, pretty, you know, during the process, our biggest challenge on that was um, just recreating the ghosts from the yeah. overlook. Uh, and, you know, Mike gave us a little leeway. Uh, to kind of, um, they needed to feel like, like Mrs. Massey needed to feel like um, Mrs. Massey from the original, but we didn't have to match her exactly. Okay. It's, it just in essence. So we kind of, you know, the placement of the, the wounds and the, and the sores on her and everything were similar. And, and uh, but we didn't, we didn't want to actually follow that exact look, but just have the essence of it or, you know. I understand. Like so um, that and the other ghosts um, that were tied in the original, you know, they, they found really good doppelgangers um, of these actors that they really looked like them and that really helped. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, for us, uh, the greatest part of it was to just walk on uh, those sets. And be uh, on the overlook. We the overlook. built the overlook interiors and we just, we were like kids, man, with big grins on our face because we'd walk onto this stage like at the beginning of the um, of the build uh -huh. and we'd see the walls going up and then suddenly, you know, we see the plaster going on and then we see all the details as every week would get more detailed and then wallpaper were going on. And then you're like, oh my God, we're, we're in the overlook right now. <laughs> it's amazing, you know? And and then probably the saddest thing, and it was the same with the haunting. The saddest thing was probably when they, you know, the day they wrapped, they started tearing down these different sets. And oh, yeah. um, the haunting house was just amazing. And, you know, the day, soon, literally the night of wrap, they started tearing stuff down and we were like all sad. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Because all that work goes into it and it's beautiful. Oh. And you always think, isn't there some place we could put this so other people I, I can know. do it? I know. We were all saying, I wish I just had a warehouse. I'd buy it, move it, sit yeah. it in the, 
warehouse and just live in a, a movie set. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Some water in it and be yeah. done. Yeah. Be done yeah. and enjoy it. Every time you walk in, you would be living in the overlook. I mean, some people would be excited to come there and some people yeah. not so much, but that would actually eliminate the people you probably don't want to talk to anyway coming over to your house. <laughs> You could be Peter Jackson. He put the Hobbit hole. He put bag in, right? Yeah, he has bag in. So who, you don't have to answer this, but what is your favorite crazy batshit story out of 30 some, almost 40 years of working in Hollywood and movies and TV? Uh, I know it's tough. I bet you have 5,000. I got, I got probably two fun ones. One, uh, okay, so we did this movie, Austin Powers, Gold Member. Yep. And uh, and there was a day we were on set and we had Mike Myers in his the fat bastard outfit and it, there was a sumo wrestling scene. Uh-huh. Uh, with uh, where we it was downtown LA but they re, they were supposed to be in Japan and they had a lot of Japanese people uh, in the audience and then they had this sumo wrestler thing going on. And Mike uh, was wearing what's called a, a cool suit underneath his fat suit, which right. keeps, keeps him cool. You plug a water hose into it and pump ice water through it. And so he was hooked up to that prior to the scene starting. So they get, they get ready and they're rolling and the audience is all sitting around. Well, I'm off, off the uh, set there and watching. And I realized that the, it, Sorry, there was a bang. That's the okay. I'm just making sure the bodies behind you aren't moving. <laughs> no, they're not. Uh, the umbilical uh, cord that hooks up to the water pump was hanging out of the crack of his ass. So <laughs> it, was, it was like, you know, six inches of something dangling out of his butt. And I didn't even think of it. I'm just like, oh, my God, they're rolling. I, that can't be in the shot. So I jumped up ran in, grabbed the hose and shoved it up his ass, not realizing. <laughs> and the, the entire audience like could just burst into tears. You know, they were laughing so hard. And I, and then I just walked out and Howard's looking at me and he's going, look at everybody's laughing. You just shoved your hand up Mike's ass, you know, fat bastard's ass. So that was, that was one. Um, the other one was probably the craziest thing was our, second day of shooting on Wishmaster, um, uh, the line producer called me the morning just before I was going to set uh, to shoot. And uh, he said, have you been watching the news? And I said, no. And um, the line producer, Russ Markowitz, and, he, and um, he said, turn on channel four or whatever it was at the time. So I put on the news and there's a uh, camera truck driving down the street with the tailgate open and the cameras are falling out the back the tailgate shooting sparks off and i'm like what's that and he's like that's our camera truck and those are our cameras and i'm oh. like what the hell and he's uh, some guy broke into the camera truck Sorry. and stole it and the cops were chasing him and it was a uh, helicopters flying overhead filming the whole thing <laughs> And then so I'm like, so what do we do today? He goes, we're scrambling right now to get new equipment uh, brought in to complete the day. So the second day of shooting, I think um, I, it was at least four or five hours uh, late shooting that day because we were waiting on equipment. And, uh, and it was the, actually, it was the alley sequence with Buckflower and uh -huh. Andy is a gin, you know, that whole uh, pharmacy thing and yep, Reggie yep. Bannister. So yep. That was the other crazy thing. 
that those are fantastic, sir. James, I, I, did you have some questions? I have one more because I know no, no, go ahead. a certain amount of time. Yeah, go um, ahead. I, I want to be careful. I know time. you've been asked about this. The one filmmaker that I haven't really, well, there's more than one. There's some that have passed that I'll never meet. I'm sure you're the same way. But what's your best Sam Raimi story? Sam Raimi. What's my best, best Sam, Sam Raimi story? story? Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan. I know you said one of your best experiences was working on Army of Darkness because it was Sam, it was Bruce, all three of you there. So I was just curious, what's your best Sam story? I don't really have. I mean, there's so many. Uh, most of them you can see on the, um, yeah. on the behind the scenes videos with us goofing off on set with them and stuff. But right. um, no, the, I get, the, the thing I love about Sam the most, I think, when we're working on a film of that type or any, is that he does kind of does the, he stands behind the monitor and he does all the voices. <laughs> like if you, if you have a puppet and you're operating a, a, a puppet, He'll stand back there and go, yeah, and he'll, he'll do the, yeah, you know, uh, uh, bring on the, you know, bring on the dancing girls or whatever it is. It's like, you know, and, and he just does the voice, you know, or yeah. so, so, yeah, um, he's like, storm the castle, and he's always in character doing it. <clears throat> so um, that's always the best, you know, and I, it's funny because we do that now, too. Like, yeah. if we're operating a puppet, we're always going, yeah, you know making noises and stupid shit but because you're a nerd right you're a geek yeah. you're just like the we're all the same you just happen to be really successful at what you've done <laughs> so speaking on all that success just the the accolades that you've gotten the movies that you've worked on what have what what are things you still want to do what are movies that you still are there stories that you still like to tell do you still want to direct more what 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 do you want to do what have you not done that you'd like to do yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm still developing uh, some movie projects. Hopefully, I'll be doing one in the next year. If oh, great. Business, if the business turns around anytime soon now. <laughs> but um, Well, it's been good know, for I, us because we've gotten a few interviews in the last couple of weeks, like yourself. Yeah, yeah, everybody's right. available. <laughs> well, nor normally, they wouldn't give us, they would yeah. be like, eh, Bonehead Weekly, no. But thank you so much for it. But uh what so is there a big thing is there a dream project for you no i mean it's i can't really talk about it yet i don't like to put cart before the horse you know I but know. um but the, uh, for an exclusive yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but you know other than that i still enjoy doing makeup i'm trying to really just work with um talented filmmakers or you know that i think have a vision or uh look at scripts that I think are uh, special in some way, you know, mm -hmm. um, kind of, uh, you know, back when you start your career, you kind of jump on anything you can just as long as it makes a buck, you know, as yeah. long as it pays your overhead, which is kind of true the same now, but we really, I've been doing this for so long. I really don't have time to do anything other than look for projects that, that are going to be, um, kind of special and, uh, and have you know some sort of afterlife uh, right. that people are going to like you know which i've been lucky enough to do over the years work on a lot of even small movies that have you know um a, a, fo a following and that are something special like john dies at the end or right um late phases i mean they're small movies but gave us a chance to do something cool and you know. what is something that you've worked on that became that has lasted and you never would have guessed it I know it's an odd question too. 
I mean, well, I wouldn't, at the time, a movie like Intruder or something, you know, yeah. which people seem to really like even years later. Mm -hmm. uh, and at that time, and we were just making this like really low budget grocery store killer movie. And yeah, with your buddy Sam and, and yeah. Dan, um, uh, oh, from Evil Dead 2, what's his name? Oh, crap. I actually Danny Hicks. Danny, Danny Hicks. Um, yeah. I couldn't remember Danny Hicks's name. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the villain? <laughs> Yeah, I, I can see that. You wouldn't probably think that 30 years on that people would still be talking about it. Right. And, you know, it's kind of one of those movies. It keeps getting another edition or something that comes out. I know they just put the Blu-ray out not too long ago and right. remastered it and, you know. Right. Okay. Well, is there any upcoming projects you'd like to talk about that are already done that you can talk about? Uh, well, um, yeah, I mean, you know what? I, I did. We did something just, we just finished it. Um, I can't really talk much about it. I mean, you could probably read a little bit on the thing, but it's a, a movie with the Russo brothers called Cherry. Uh huh. Uh, it's not the Russo a, brothers. Never heard of. A, do they do a genre film? <laughs> it's not a genre film, so it's a it's a drama. But uh, but it was kind of a special experience for us. So and um, I oh yeah, and I keyed the entire makeup department, so I did everything on that show. Uh, oh really? Which was yeah, which was really cool um you know and it does have some cool stuff in it uh but it's it's really it's really a drama and mm -hmm. uh, it's gonna be something special i think so good and well like i said they must, Tom they must, Holland and, right yeah they must be low budget filmmakers i've never heard of them yeah they're, <laughs> they're, they're up and comers they're up and comers <laughs> <laughs> they haven't just been shooting in atlanta for the last 15 years right making marvel films that's okay. All right. Well, I know you said you only had, well, she said you only had 30 or 40 minutes. Thank you so much. Is there anything you'd like you. to talk about before we go? Normally I would say, is there anything you do want to talk about or anything you don't want to talk about, but I wanted to get right through it. I appreciate your time. Um, nothing. You're good. No, I'm good. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you very much. I appreciate it guys. Thanks. Have a great I, weekend. I'm sure. I think that one of those behind you is a Twitcher. You keep think you say they're not, but they look oh, great. The bodies? Yeah. 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 You've got a Twitter. All right. Why are they staring at me? <laughs> ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Thank Don't you again. Oh, congratulations on the kittens. They're terrifying us right now, but we keep thinking they're going to fall from the second floor here all the time because they're crawling all over everything. Yeah, we have cats. I understand. So I, I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for your time, sir. Have a wonderful day. And right. uh, we will hopefully see you at the movies. Thanks, gentlemen. No problem. Thank you. Grrrr. <sighs>